So we keep on keeping on. Hey, little humans, I'm Norma Jean, and welcome to Stay Wild, the podcast about how to keep your quirks in the wondrous world. This is episode number 28, and we're talking to my friend Sammy Ashalabi, jewelry designer, boutique tour guide, and full-time dreamer. It's a really fun episode for me because Sammy is actually one of my close friends in Bali, and I hope we can bring you some of the spirit of that Bali magic. If you're liking the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts from and write us a review. If you are feeling called to come to Bali, come for Camp Clarity. It's an amazing week for women full of fun, resources, joy, workshops, community, and so much more. Check it out at www.joincampclarity.com. And here we go. All right, little humans, I'm here today with my friend, Sammy Ashalabi. Hi, Sammy. Hi. Sammy is a jewelry designer, boutique tour guide, and full-time dreamer. Welcome to Stay Wild. Thank you for having me on this beautiful day in Bali. I'm so excited we're here, and we're here in the garden. We hope we're bringing you here with us. If there's motorbikes or dogs, hopefully it'll just add to the experience. So, Sammy, you have been in Bali part-time for quite a few years. Yes. Going on six years. Going on six years. But you've been traveling abroad and making jewelry for much longer. Yes. How did that begin for you? Well, it all started in India in 1999. Um, I was 23 years old, and I decided that I had to travel around the world by myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> now when I think about it, because it's 20 years later, I'm like, oh, how did I do that when I was 23? But I did. So um, India was top on my list of places to go at that time, and I went for six months. While I was there, I was up in the Himalayas, and I got really, really sick. And I was just journaling, 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 journaling all the time. And um, I came to this idea that I wanted to make jewelry. And you'd never made jewelry before? No. Okay, and this was 1999? Yeah. Okay. Y2K! I was in Y2K in this place called Mandu on this old ruin for Y2K, and there's nobody there. It was amazing. But anyway, okay, so... Let's see. I it st- all started in a little village in Jaisamir, um, called Jaisamir. It's on the border of Pakistan, and I went there, and I bought all this jewelry, and um, with the idea that I would go back home and sell it. Okay. And um, along the way, then it was like pre-internet. 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 So you were like, okay, I'm in this place where like there's all this beautiful stuff that people at home would really like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, I spent $500 on silver jewelry, and that was a huge chunk of my budget for my journey. I mean, I'm talking like a huge chunk. I had $8,000 for the year, and I spent 500 on jewelry. So um, I'm like, oh, I'll go home, and I'll sell it, and I'll buy an airplane ticket back to India. And um, I went home, and I sold I went to this little festival in my town in Madison, Wisconsin, and I put a blanket down on the ground, and I put all the jewelry on the blanket, and I sold almost all of it in one day. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. I'm going to do this, keep doing this, and I want to, I had all these ideas, like, I'm going to go back to India and work with women, and um, like I said earlier, I had been journaling in the Himalayas about jewelry and making jewelry, and so um, I... 
instead of going back to India because it wasn't going to happen for me at that moment, I just started to make it. And that was in um, the year 2000. And my sister and I did that together for about four years. We sold it at farmer's markets. And then, yeah. Wow. And so did you teach yourself? Did you do a course? In the beginning, I taught myself just beading. We did beading. I, I did my beadwork. She did her beadwork. And we'd go to the market on Saturday and sell it. Um, and then it got me interested in studying silversmithing, goldsmithing. And then eventually in 2003, I went back to India. And I went there to, to study Ashtanga yoga at the time in Mysore with Patabi Joyce. But I... Um, but I, that I felt like, oh my gosh, that's only in the morning. Like, what am I going to do the rest of the day? <laughs> I'm like, that's only from most, six to eight. Most people go just for the yoga, though. <laughs> they do, right? Most people do, but I couldn't like hang out all day. Okay. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go find the goldsmiths because in India there's areas, and so there was the goldsmith area, and I'm like, I'm going to go find a goldsmith to watch. So that began my journey of studying Indian goldsmithing, um, which is still going on today. And um, yeah, so that was that all started in the year 2000. Mm. And things have evolved along the way into learning silversmithing, learning goldsmithing. I stopped beading. I moved. To, I started to um, do my production for my jewelry in Bali. Um, so I do, I work production jewelry in Bali, I design and work with three people here. And then um, I go to India every year to work with my two teachers and make custom gold jewelry, as well as lead tours. Amazing. So it's like two, two jewelry businesses and then the tours. I want to talk a little bit about um, the tours in a minute, but you're from Wisconsin. I'm from a little tiny, I call my ancestral village. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so funny. But <laughs> I, my, my little town is called Sauk City, so it's a little tiny Wisconsin farm town um, near Madison in southwestern Wisconsin in the beautiful Driftless area. What does Driftless mean? It means that the glacier didn't go through that area, so it didn't flatten the land, and it's very hilly and beautiful. Okay, nice. Yeah. So you grew up like... In Wisconsin, Midwest. Yes. And then you were just like... Full power. Three town of 2,000 people. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, I'm going to India world. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I went to university and I graduated my degrees in geology. And after university, I waited tables and worked in outdoor retail. And then I thought, I just want to save this money and travel around the world. So that's what I did. And it was phenomenal. It, I feel like... If I hadn't done that, I don't know what my life would be like now. It just opened my eyes to everything that was different. Because before that experience, you know, it's, it's like we grow up learning a certain way of being. And then all of a sudden, I d dove into this other realm of different cultures and... It exposed my eyes and my soul and my mind to the fact that one way isn't the right way. There's many right ways, and um, and there, are, yeah, there's many ways to do things there, and they all can be right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've talked about this a little bit 
on an earlier episode of the podcast in terms of kids, but I think it's one of those things where as soon as you kind of leave where you're from and you see that there's lots of different ways of doing different things, that you kind of become a little bit more understanding and flexible. Uh, understanding of the world and flexible within your own life, Yeah, I think. And, and for a lot of us who grew up in a you know, in one country, <laughs> in one country that's usually Western, once you go abroad for the first time and really, you know, for more than a couple of weeks and, you know, outside of, of hotels and, and that kind of a thing, you, you really get a feeling for the world is completely different in other places than the place where the world is completely one way where I'm from. Yes. Yeah. And I think also my, I grew up in a, um, in a family where my father, my father's Palestinian and he grew up in Palestine and came to the States in the sixties and married my mom. So I grew up in, um, a mixed cultural family. So I also had that exposure my whole life, but through, it's very strange because I grew up in a little tiny Wisconsin farm town and our family was weird. Did you ever go visit? One time. When you were a kid? Twelve. Wow. What was that like? Oh, my gosh. It totally opened my eyes to so many things. I was so happy. I was like, oh! <laughs> I just... I, I can't even describe how I felt. I felt expansive. I felt free. I felt happy to be in a place that was so different. Mm. And um, I couldn't wait to go on my next trip, which was several years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's... I think. For, for me as well, you know, growing up when you have, when you have a specific culture that your family, um, you know, your own family heritage and, and traditions, it, it, that yes, they may be tied to a place, but when you're not in that place and you're in a more homogenous existence, I guess, um, a lot of the time you do just feel like, okay, well, I'm, I live as a little simple, yeah, Wisconsin farm town. I mean, I'm from California, but yeah, absolutely. So how did you get into yoga? Because you originally went to India for yoga. Well, originally I went to India just to travel. And I actually didn't do any yoga while I was there. I saw it. That was in 1999. Um, I saw it. And I saw people practicing. And then I came back from that trip. And there were a few small yoga classes going on in Madison at that time. Madison, Wisconsin, which is where I went back to after my year-long trip um and I started then I got interested in Ashtanga yoga at that time so that was the year 2000 June 2000 I remember when I started (laughs) June 2000 and for those of for those little humans at home can you talk a little bit about what Ashtanga is yes so Ashtanga it I I'm just going to say the simple version Ashtanga is a is a form of yoga that's quite intense. Um, there is a set series of postures that you do, um, and you do it every day except for moon days. Um, and you follow this sequence over time. You get new postures from the from your qualified teacher, and um, it's a very beautiful moving meditation. And um, I think that the benefit of Ashtanga other than getting a, a nice body from doing very sort of athletic yoga, is um, that you, by by having this beautiful daily practice, even though you're doing the same thing every day, you really see where your mind is. 
And, you know, why did I stumble across, uh, you know, why did I stumble in this posture today and yesterday I didn't? Like, what's happening? Because when you have the opportunity to do something every day, early in the morning, before you do anything else, um, it's a powerful, powerful thing to do. And I did it for a long time. I'm not doing it now, but sometimes I think about doing it again. <laughs> Busting it up. And from, from my understanding, there's a couple of sequences. There's the most popular one is the primary sequence, and that's 90 minutes. That's the first one. Okay. Um, it starts with the primary, so you slowly start to learn the primary, and then there's the second, third, fourth, and so on. It goes up to, gosh, I can't even remember. I think it goes up to six. Yes, it goes up to six, but... Um, there's, that's not really happening. Um, for most people. For most that's people. Not a, that's not the, that's not the <laughs> that's most not common experience. Yeah, the, yeah. Primary, the primary series is what most people practice. And but now that so many people are practicing, a lot of people also do the second series as well. Um, the third and fourth are a little bit less common, and the fifth and sixth are not common at all. Um, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So you started doing yoga June 2000. Yeah. And then when did you go back to India next? 2003. Okay. April. Okay. Yeah. I spent two months there studying. In Mysore. In Mysore. Yeah. It was magical. And then I went back again in 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009. I've gone every year since 2006. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. And I stopped studying Ashtanga in like 2000. Eleven. Mm. So you were there originally just to go, you know, on a trip, maybe after college, mm-hmm. after university, mm-hmm. go around. Do you went around India, all over India? All over India the first time, six months, traveling all over. Traveling all over. Feeling expansive. and f- I, Whenever I go to India, I just feel like my heart is completely open. It's so magical for me. Yeah, it's an amazing place for those of you who have yet to go. Um, and so from the jewelry and from the yoga, you really learned a lot about the landscape because you've been going for so long. Yeah. And then you developed a tour. Yeah, and that all came about because um, I used to do a blog uh, years ago uh, about my trips in India and about my jewelry. And some of my clients were like, when do we get to meet these people that you're talking about, My, i.e. my jewelry teachers? And I, and I thought huh, I wonder if I have enough people interested in going on a little tour. So I just was thinking that in my brain, and then I am not even kidding. Like three days later, two women emailed me and said, I really want to go to India with you. Can you make that happen? And I thought, yeah. Because it's a daunting place, right? Like, coming from the West, yeah. if you don't know anyone, it's, you know, it's very busy and very crowded, and it's helpful to to have people with you who know what's going on. Yeah. You know, India is full power. Um, and somehow, I just have a really beautiful connection with it. I feel comfortable there, and I always have since the day I arrived the first time. So, um, I think that... Yeah, so I put together a tour. It's very intimate. It's a two-week tour. I take women only. I only take six women. And we go to all these places that I've explored because I love to explore, so take them to the highlights. So they get to have a very 
full power, full um, exposure to India in a very short period of time. And um, meeting friends, eating with families, spending time in villages, eating food you can never get at a restaurant, um, having intimate experiences in India. And it's, it's life-changing. The, the women have told me. And I mean, I, I already know that India is life-changing. And so that I, I feel blessed that I can give that opportunity to women um, to expose them in a safe, guided way in a place that seems a little intimidating um, for an, an experience that could potentially change their lives. And, you know, I, I, that's what they say it does, so that makes me really happy. Amazing. And how did you decide to work with women? Because I feel like when women come together, there's a certain energy that flows. Um, together, it's bonding. Women bond. In a, in a particular way. And I, th- I feel like India is so powerful that uh, having that experience together as a group of women is just strong and magical and beautiful. Amazing, amazing. My neighbors are, are having a bit of a chat in the background, if you guys can hear. I completely agree. And I love what you said about the food in India, because growing up in, in the U.S., growing up in the West, I mean, if you really seek it out, there are a couple of kinds of Indian food you can find. But generally, you're going to get, like, mostly Punjabi food, right? You're going to get butter chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're going to you get naan. <laughs> you know, you're going to get heavy curries and rice. And that's not really what the food's like. And mm. India is so diverse. Yeah. I mean, we in, on my tour, we spend most of our time in Kerala. And to me, Kerala food is the best food in all of India. It's mm. fresh. It's cooked in coconut oil. It's, just, it's served on a banana leaf. I mean, it's just so good. And um, you, you don't get it in any restaurant. You don't ever see it. You've never even heard of it. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. And for those of you listening, Kerala is a state... It's uh, a state in the southwest. So uh, I think it's pretty diverse. It's pretty near Sri Lanka, so there is that coconut influence in the food. But they also have, uh, I think, some nature preserves and ti- is tigers. Is that right? Are there some mm, tigers there? Maybe there's a tiger or two. Okay. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> Just I've a never, couple. <laughs> I don't Just have one an answer or two. to that. <laughs> One or two tigers. But Kerala is a communist state, actually, and it's the most literate state in India. So there's it's 98% literacy. Um, it's the most employed state in India. Um, it's where co- cooperatives started. It's where Ayurveda started, if you've heard of that, the ancient Indian medical system. Yeah. Um, Episode 20 of Stay Wild is with an Ayurvedic detox, detox expert, Colette Kent. So for those of you interested, we have a whole episode on everything Ayurveda. Yeah. And that comes from Kerala. Yeah. And um, many, many, many things come from Kerala. It's a very... Oh, they also say that the first people that came to India landed in the north of Kerala. And so there's there's these... And they had come from Africa, and there's these tribal... Ser- we get to see this in the tour, and it's so special because it only happens in this little tiny region in the northern part of Kerala, only at a specific time, January and February. 
and you don't even know what day it's going to happen because the priests come out the day before and say, you need to do the ceremony here. And it's called Teyam, and it's pre-Hindu, and it's very, very tribal, and it's very African slash Indian. And um, it's, it's a it's a I like the word magical. Mm. <laughs> I keep using it, but it's a magical thing. And it, they happen in the middle of the night. It's very mystical. It's very dark. It's very um, moving. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. So you live part-time in India now. You run this tour every year. Mm-hmm. You have your jewelry line. Mm-hmm. And you also live part-time in Bali. Yeah. So what, for the listeners at home who are living abroad, want to live abroad, are in that box and thinking, how, how, what does this life look like? Yeah. How do I make this life work? It's different for everyone, right? And for me personally, for, for Norma Jean, it's mostly Bali. Right, I'm here most of the time. I go on little trips. I go home and see my family, but you know, most of the time, like Bali, Ubud is is my home. But you're one of the few people who has, I think, like an annual cycle. I and do, I, and I want to hear a little bit about that. Well, I'm somewhat of a modern day gypsy um, nomad. I I really love to travel, so I um, figured out a way to make my life work. Um, and travel at the same time. So philosophically, how did I make that work? It's kind of like everything you want is on the other side of fear. And um, and then one of my good friends um, has this little thing about getting what you want. Mm. And he says, know yourself, love yourself know what you want, and then do it. And I think it's really a strong thing um, to think about because in order to streamline a chaotic life, you really have to know what you want Um, because being on the road and having a business and Mm. keeping in touch and visiting people and doing all these things... Um, is not an easy choice, but it is what I want, and that's clear. So um, every year I spend about six months in Bali, although this year that wasn't a possibility for me, unfortunately. I had some other things that um, were more urgent. And um, I spend a lot of time in the States, I spend a lot of time in Europe, and a lot of time in India. So I'm really around, I move around a lot. Um, and it all started uh, about six years ago when I said to myself, I'm quitting my life in America. I can't do it anymore. I've always wanted to live in another country. Um, and I want to do it like this. I want to have a home somewhere for three months a year. I want to travel. I want to go back to that home for three months a year. And I want to travel. And basically been doing that ever since Um, and it works I'm making it work I'm meeting amazing people around the world I make jewelry I get to sell it around the world I get to take people to exotic locations um, and meet beautiful people be immersed in incredible cultures and expand my mind along the way and open my heart and um, hopefully inspire people and also to be inspired by people to always be growing and 
be creative. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what are some valuable lessons that you've learned so far living abroad? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Which one do I choose? (laughs) Um, Give give me, uh, you you can do more than one. Bali is go with the flow. Bali is definitely go with the flow. You can't do anything other than go with the flow, otherwise it doesn't work. No. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you little humans who spent a bit of time in Bali, it's one of those places where unless you let go and surrender, things have a tendency to not work. Yeah. Really, really go with the flow. So... I've seen some friends of mine who are in the design industry like me, like I make jewelry. You know, they have these deadlines and they have they have to get their jewelry or their clothing or their whatever they're making done to ship out on these certain dates. And I just see the struggle in forcing time frames. And I just kind of sat back and was watching that and I'm like, okay, I can't do it like that. So I came up with a different model. Um, I don't know if it works any better, but at least I'm more relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> so go with the flow. Um, and India is just... <sighs> laugh at everything. Expect the unexpected and everything's going to be okay. You know, it's just... Traveling and living in places that are so different from linear thinking um like i i like to think that the western world is somewhat linear you know first we do a then we do b then we do c and then you get to z um whereas in asia it's a little bit more like a meandering stream and in order to get to the end you you know you got to go around those curves and float um, but you'll get there. You'll just see a lot more along the way. And, and maybe, you know, hit a rock or two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you'll get there. Um, it's, yeah, it's not easy, but I love it. I mean, it's like an adventure every day. Yeah. India I mean, is definitely, yeah. All of them. I, India and more in India, but I mean, even in here in Bali, the other day I was driving down the road, they were paving the road so all of a sudden we all had to like take our scooters and go through the rice field on a little path that was less than one foot wide and people were coming both ways <laughs> down this path for like a kilometer and it was an adventure to get to the end of the road <laughs> that note bali is exactly like that. i love it. it makes me so happy yeah absolutely so creating the life that you want i think is something that a lot of people um want to do <laughs> but struggle with Ooh, and I think um, <laughs> I think that's me dropping my phone I'm trying to make sure we stay on time um, I think it's one of those things where when people have expectations about creating something they want whenever there's hurdles it can be you know it can really kind of knock you down yeah yeah and I think that a lot of people let that stop them yeah so what are some things you do that really kind of in terms of self care to kind of like Okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take the best care of myself so that I feel good enough to keep going. And what are some other things you do to motivate yourself to keep going? Um, well, first of all, I try really hard not to worry about money, and to um, yeah, this is one I of the things I love about you. Yeah. I don't 
own. I I don't own very many things, so I don't have a lot of um, living expenses. So I don't have a lot of pressure. I don't put a lot of pressure on myself around making a certain amount of money. Um, although I'm trying to manifest more, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, so that's the first thing, because I think that one of the biggest fears that people have in living their dreams is the idea of instability with money. Mm. And um, just, I just don't have that. Or, I mean, I have it, but I, I try not to let it bother you me. You choose not to feed it. Choose not to feed it. Um, in terms of self-care, I mean, I, I meditate a lot. And what kind it of meditation keeps do do? my mind clear. I do Tonglen meditation, which means taking and giving. It's a Tibetan um, Buddhist meditation. It's, a, it's a, a meditation on compassion. Mm-hmm. And um, I also do... Uh, I do different analytical Tibetan Buddhist meditations, um, which help my mind, clear my mind, and keep me stable mentally. (laughs) Because I think that when you live in a chaotic, when you live a chaotic life, it's hard to keep things clear. So um, for me, meditation really keeps my mind clear so that it can move forward. Yeah, and when we say chaotic, we don't mean like hectic, everything's crazy. We mean like... You're not going to the same job every day for 10 years, 20 yes. years. Yeah. You're not, yeah. like, you don't have the same routine every single day because you're in three or four places living that life yeah. every year. Yes. And and maintaining business, maintaining friendships. Yeah, running businesses, yeah. And um, so it's a lot, but I, I like it and I do it. And um, I think the other, the other thing is that people... You know, in order to have one thing, you have to give up another thing. So um, I call it shifting the challenge. So in my old life, I had certain challenges. And I was like, you know, I really want this new way of living. And I know it's, I'm good. I know that different challenges are going to come up. And just to accept that and be like, okay, no, it's not perfect. But this is what I want. And this is how I'm going to make it work and these are the challenges that are going to come up or that do come up, which are different from other ones. Does it make sense? Did totally. I? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, when you, cause we've both lived, we both lived in Western countries. You know, I've worked a few corporate jobs. I'm not sure if I think, have you worked a couple of corporate jobs? No, no. you've, you've never. just, you've never even, no. no, no, no. I told myself I would never wear a suit and I never have. Wow. Amazing. I will not. <laughs> I've, 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 uh, I, the last job I didn't really wear suits, but I've had jobs where I definitely did. And um, I think when you, when you're inside looking out, you know everything does look greener. The glass, the grass looks greener, and you have those rose-colored glasses on, right? And you think, oh, well, if I if I don't do this job, or you know if I don't live this lifestyle, um, everything will look more rosy. And then when you're on the other side of it, you have incredible freedom, and there is a wildness about it that is hard to comprehend when you're living more routinely but with that wildness you're right comes challenges and I think we've both been abroad a a few years I've been living abroad since 2010 I think you've been living abroad what 2012 full-time and um, I think it's one of those things where when you when you give up that stability 
a lot, I've seen a lot of people, you know, think that it'll be great and it is great, but the challenges they don't see coming and it becomes almost like a deal breaker. You know, well, I didn't sign up for challenges. I signed up for this, you know, free vacation living. Yeah. And there is, you know, it's still your life. You still wake up some days and you're like, oh my God, (laughs) you're like coffee, (laughs) you know, day to day. Yeah. You still have the day to day. And I think people think, you know, I think there's probably an expectation on one side of it that when you give up the, the day to day regimented routine of certain lifestyles within the West, you also give up the day to day and life is magical on the other side of it, but there's still, there's still the day to day. You still pay your rent, right? You still have a business. You still have to work. You still, yeah, it just looks a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you had another question. I, it was, did I have another question? Yeah. And I, I spaced it. Oh, tips. Any tips you have? Self-care. Self-care and... Well, self-care is just that I meditate. Um, I exercise. I try to exercise every day. Be in nature as much as possible. Listen to the frogs. Mm. I love it. Walk in nature. Be Mm. grounded because this lifestyle is not grounding. And And for, for those of you at home, grounding is really kind of being present and conscious where yeah. you are. Yeah. yeah, and just I also think of it as balanced. Mm. Because especially in Bali, the energy is very um in the air. It's very uh light yeah. and very heavy. So it has this two opposite energies. And I'm not explaining that very well, but it, yeah, oh. I mean, I think <laughs> yeah. maybe you are. I don't know. There's a hand motion happening. Oh. I think yeah. I mean, I think the, the Balinese people are very rooted in the land, and it and it has this very traditional heritage, and it's a very old culture. But then on top of that, you do also have this very light. Everyone's kind of on vacation vibe. Yeah, and it's hard to ground. So what I mean by that is it's hard to balance, um, and so. These are some of the things I do. I get massages all the time. Um, I get enough sleep mm. every night. Um, I wake up with the sun. I don't set an alarm clock, which has changed my whole entire life. When did you decide to do that? Um, well, in my old life, mm. I suffered from a lot of anxiety. And I, I used to wake up since the time I was eight, between 5.30 and 6, to either go to some sport sporting event like I used to be a swimmer then I was a rower then I did ashtanga so I was always getting up really early to do something physical Mm. and I had to set an alarm and it was always before school or before work or before whatever so I I had a lot of anxiety around the alarm and um so when I changed my life to become this nomad gypsy person one of the things I told myself was, Samia, no longer are you going to set an alarm. And it's been, it's really changed my life. I think it's actually one of the most powerful self-care tools because now I just wake up naturally at 5.30 or 6 every morning Mm. without any stress. I sleep better. I still get up. I do all these things in the morning. It's wonderful. I don't put any pressure on myself. Mm. And I don't ever plan anything before 10 o'clock in the morning. That's because that's, that's my nature. And mm. I don't have to. 
I stay at home. I work. Um, I'm quiet. I'm alone. Uh, and get things done that way. And after that, I'll... If I have to have meetings or go somewhere or whatever. Yeah, you still get the work done. It's just, it fits within your life. Your life doesn't fit around the work. Yeah. And, you know, I have a lot of friends that are like, oh, but you, you know, you have the freedom to do that. And I'm like, yes, I do have the freedom to do that, but it's also my choice. Yeah. So, because I understand that that's what my body needs. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time we push through, right? If you're in the West, a lot of the time we're taught to to push through, oh, you're tired, have a coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Or a lot of things like that where sometimes we our bodies are telling us things and we just need to listen. Yeah. Yeah. We need rest. We need rest. <laughs> cool. Well, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back and hear more about Samia's beautiful journey. I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about Camp Clarity and give you some details. It's pretty much the most awesome week in Bali. Adventures, water temples, cooking classes with amazing workshops and deep work for women to get the resources, tools, community, and support to move forward in our lives the way that we want. Sharing and really all leveling up. So it's a pretty awesome experience. If you feel called to come, check it out at www.joincampclarity.com. That's join, J-O-I-N-C-A-M-P, Clarity, C-L-A-R-I-T-Y.com if you feel like it's something for you. So all the details are there and it's just an awesome week for women in Bali. All right, little humans, we're back with Samia Shalaby, jewelry designer, boutique tour guide, and full-time dreamer. Samia, thanks again for coming on the show. Before the break, we were talking about the balance when you live abroad and creating your routine, creating structure, self-care around that. Um, But also, living the life that you build yourself is also inspiration for lots of things. And I was going to ask you, is that where you get the inspiration for your jewelry? Where does that inspiration come from? Because it's, it's, they're really uh, eclectic pieces. Well, I try... It, they, they, it comes from many places. Um, sometimes I'll be on a bus somewhere in some country and I will just be overcome with emotion and be able to design a line of jewelry. Mm. Sometimes it's like songwriting, sometimes it just comes, comes out. Yeah. Literally it's like the song wrote you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that's how I like to design. Mm. So I wait mm-hmm. until it comes. And then when it comes, I do it. And every year I design one new line of jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, this year it came um, in a way that was unexpected and um I was sitting in the hospital. My father was very sick, and um, I was there for a long time. And or yeah. he was there for a long yeah. time. This is why you spent a lot of time in the states this year. Yeah, this is why yeah. I was not. Yeah, this is why I was in the states. So I was there helping, taking care of my dad, and um, I designed a line of jewelry while I was in the hospital, thinking about um, all the pain that is there and how how we all have pain and different 
different ways and different forms and and how um, we can all heal each other. Mm. So the line came out of, or that collection came out of those thoughts and the the drawings I was doing, and I just launched that this week. Congratulations. Um, thank you. <laughs> and then... Um, this episode's coming out a bit later, but yeah, we'll have all those links for you little humans in the show notes. Um, and then the main way that I actually design is in my dreams. It's so amazing. I like dream jewelry and then wake up and draw it. Amazing. It's you so like dream, cool. You dream what the piece is? I dream them. Are you wearing it? Or no. Is it- no, I just dream what they look like, and then I wake up and I draw it. And then it's so amazing because I work with people that we don't speak the same language. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. This is the other thing that I think is really, um, for me, very important, is the way that you exchange... Um, you know, like you meet someone and you kind of don't, you're like, oh, that person, I don't really vibrate with them or I don't, our energies don't match or whatever. Or the opposite, where like, oh, wow, this person, I have really good chemistry or I really um, have good energy with this person. Um, so the way that I choose the people that I work with is through that energy exchange. Mm. So oftentimes I'm able to, you know, just show my little picture and then they make the piece and they it's, run with it. Yeah. And it's so amazing because it just works. It's in the flow. Yeah. There's absolutely. no um, divide between that. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, the, the creative process is, I've talked about this on the show a few times with people about what, you know, how you work with your creative energy, what that looks like, what you do to augment it, whether it's um, something that, a routine forms around or the energy forms around a routine, right? So when you get when you get the inspiration, whether you run with it or whether you have a routine that the inspiration can fall oh, into. No, no, I'm the opposite. I'm like, when is it going to come? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when it comes, I run with it. Because you, I, I, for me, creatively, I have to have passion. Mm. And so, um, yeah, cause it's so interesting. I, I've talked to quite a few artists and we've had them before on the podcast, a lot of creative people, you know, like with the cartoons, the daily doodles every single day, you know, you don't know what's going to come, but something does. And so I think there's, and I know some people who have, you know, they really, the, the work is there and it's about the daily regimented work. And then I know other people, I guess, you know, like you're explaining, you're one of them where when the inspiration comes, then you get to work. Yeah, and I'm I'm very much right brained and left brained, so I'm I'm quite methodical with many things. Mm. But in my creative state, I'm not. It's just, yeah, you know, for lack of a word, better word, blah. Yeah, <laughs> it just comes yeah, yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's like it just blah, comes it just out. Comes yeah, out it and comes I'm out. Like, oh my god, this is so exciting, and I just get really excited yeah absolutely absolutely but you know I think when you're not receiving that creative energy and and making those pieces you're running the business yeah you're making the actual jewelry which is all the other linear thinking yeah Yeah, so it really is a combination of both yeah yeah and I wish that there was more of that creative time and space but you know um it's probably only about 10 percent of what I do yeah I mean I think it's 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 elusive yeah Creativity is elusive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, amazing. 
cool. I'm trying to to think about. Sammy and I are pretty good friends, and I wanted her to come on the podcast for a while. So I'm trying to think of all the things that I wanted to ask her. And I had a bunch of questions, but I think we've pretty much gone through them. Is there anything else you want to share with the Stay Wild listeners? Thank you for listening. Yeah. And um, yeah, I hope that you go ahead and live your dreams. It's worth it. Amazing. Thanks so much for coming on the show. All right, little humans, this one's called pineapples. We grow in strange and mysterious ways, wild, sweet, tart, sometimes appear out of place, with sharp edges and patterns. All right, little humans, big thanks to Sammy and Shalaby for coming on the show. Love you, girl. I hope you guys enjoyed today's toast poem. And as usual, if you're liking the show, follow us, subscribe, write reviews, all the good stuff. And if you're feeling like coming to Bali, come for Camp Clarity. All of you beautiful, empowered women out there, come and level up with us in Bali. And until next time, little humans, stay wild. So we keep on keeping on.